0: When it comes to competitive drifting, we've seen the power levels rise year after year. However power isn't everything in a professional drift car and grip is just as important in order to get speed. We're here with James Dean who is no stranger to professional drifting, having won the European Drift Championship six times, the Irish Drift Championship five times and Formula D in the US for the last two seasons. Now James is more familiar to the Nissan S chassis and he's got a relatively relatively fresh build behind us, a BMW E92. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech filled interviews with some of the industry's most well known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. My first question James is why that change? When you're so familiar with that Nissan S chassis, uh, you've probably got that pretty dialled in, you know it back to front and why make such a dramatic change to a completely new
1: chassis? Yeah so for me I've been pretty much competing in the Nissan S chassis for almost 10 years and we know this carry inside out. We know it's strong points, it's weak points and uh, to be honest for me, I wanted to try something new um, and... Just going back to competitive drifting, as you said, grip is a huge thing. The biggest downfall with the S chassis, I think, is forward grip, uh, but it's probably the best overall car. You can just sit in, drive, it's nimble, it reacts just the way you want it to, but you can see a lot of the more modern chassis just have that bit more forward grip. So that was a big part of it for me. we decided to go with this E92 because the rear suspension setup is a lot different. Uh, it has quite a lot more mechanical grip. Um, Chris Stapps from HEK Racing in Latvia, they actually build these chassis, and he was competing in Formula Drift in the U.S. for the last two years, and his car was probably the fastest car on track. So I was watching his car and thinking, man, if I, if, I, if I ever have the chance to build something new, I think that's the route we'll take.
0: Just to back up there because a lot of people, even those who are familiar with watching drifting would think that that mechanical grip is maybe not that critical but essentially now with those power levels rising you really almost have a drag race to that first point where you initiate for the first corner and that's what you're talking about there, getting that speed to that first corner?
1: Yeah the grip game is just after exploding especially in the last couple of years Uh, in Formula Drift, the majority of cars are pushing like between 900 and 1100 horsepower and they're actually putting majority of that grip to the ground. Um, as you said, it's a drag race to the first corner, but as soon as you initiate, it's also as fast as you can get through that course while filling all these slips. So grip is a huge important part about it. Uh, Tyres are very important. Like... Everyone is running semi slicks uh, in sizes between 275 to like uh, 315. So big tyre to put on the back of a car that you want to slide around the track.
0: 100%. Alright I think we've got to the the bottom of that mechanical grip aspect so I think we want to just go through the car and obviously you're not running the BMW engine, you're running the Toyota 2JZ, can you tell us why the choice of the 2JZ? Obviously it's no stranger to drifting anyway but give us some insight there.
1: Yeah, for us the 2JZ is just, you know, amazing at drifting, uh, super reliable engine, relatively affordable in comparison to uh, like a V8 from the US and you can just get that power, reliability and for us personally, my brother builds these engines uh, back in Ireland at Dean Sport, our shop back there. Great experience with the motor and, you know, drifting and competition is all about reliability as well. so. Keeping the car on track, uh, we we just have experience with with this motor. And as it's a new chassis, we have a lot of other things to worry about and try to figure out, but uh, we know the engine's solid.
0: Now, with the 2JZ in stock form at least being a 3 litre capacity, uh, you're competing against a lot of cars now with um, perhaps LS swaps, uh, LS swaps with turbochargers. So, when you're looking at an engine that may be in the vicinity of 6 litres versus 3 litres, that's got the potential for a much wider torque curve. How much of an issue is that?
1: Yeah, so in this car, we're running Nitrous, which really helps with that low end power. we're actually using it from three and a half thousand to seven and a half thousand. Uh, at the start, we started using it um, just for spool, but nitrous kind of gets a bit addictive. Um, in the US cars, we're using a direct direct port uh, 100 150 shot of nitrous, and this is quite impressive. And we're using the same way uh, three and a half thousand to maybe eight thousand. Uh, we rev the cars in the US slightly higher, uh, but in general. It gives you a big, big power band, so we don't really have an issue. Uh, you can see the V8 sometimes have a small advantage, like rolling after line because they can just slowly roll onto throttle and just, you know, get away without breaking traction, uh, because this when it comes on, it, it can break quite easily. That, that,
0: that is one of the problems with nitrous, if you've got 150 shot, you, the instant that nitrous is activated, you've got all of that additional power and torque going through the rear wheel so traction can potentially be an issue. Uh, how are you activating the nitrous? Is it based on throttle position
1: or, or what other options have you got there? Yeah so for us we're using on throttle position. Uh, over 85% throttle, uh, positive boost pressure and uh, as I said between 3.5 to uh, 7.5 or whatever you want. Um, it's very reliable, uh, we've been using it the last few years and uh, it's just so, such an easy power rider. And what sort of power in total are you getting with the engine both with and without the nitrous? Uh, this motor is uh, about 800 uh, at the engine. Um, nitrous it's a 70 shot so we actually it was spinning on the dyno but we expect it's giving it probably close to 100 or something in that region Uh, and uh, in the u.s it's pretty much the same same setup in both cars uh, but with the 150 shot it's a lot more aggressive
0: do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com free and start developing your own skills today Now that's not really uh, sort of groundbreaking power levels for a 2JZ, we've seen them particularly in in drag racing now making well over 2000 horsepower. Of course you're trying to hold the engine together for a lot longer. Actually give us a basic rundown of the mechanical
1: specification,
0: what goes into the engine, what parts are you using?
1: Yeah so this motor is, uh, we're using a stock Toyota crankshaft, Uh, it was actually a brand new block which is amazing, you can still get new Toyota blocks, we have, so that's a new block. Uh, we're using ZRP rods, uh, and they're from Greece. Uh, CP pistons, 9.5 to 1 compression ratio, 1mm uh, uh, SuperTech oversized valves, um, dual springs, uh, 280 degree BC camshafts, uh, and the head is CNC ported, um, HyperTune intake and exhaust manifold, and Borg Warner 9180 FR turbo. I just wanted to get onto that turbo. So the, the
0: engine really is just there to support the power level, and obviously the head's important for the airflow in and out. But really, it is that turbocharger uh, that is so critical. So you've got the Borg Warner
1: on there. What sort of boost pressure are you running? We're using 1.6 bar, um, so it's relatively safe. We can push it more, but to be honest, you also want to match your power to what you're putting to the ground. So if you're overspinning the tires, sometimes you're just you're, you're losing speed while drifting.
0: Now there's a couple of things I want to unpack there. So the first thing is with the Borg Warner, it's pretty well known, they have a critical turbo speed so uh, you do have to watch the boost pressure. Is that an issue for you or are you nowhere near that maximum
1: safe uh, turbo speed? Uh, At this boost pressure we're we're quite safe. Um, We've been using these turbos for the last three years and never had a failure. So touch wood on that, they seem very reliable. And very responsive too for the size of it on a 3 litre capacity engine, it's it's
0: good. Particularly when you add that nitrous as well. Now the other aspect you just touched on there was the matching of the the power or torque to uh, the available
1: traction. So are you
0: using any aspects there such as gear dependent boost or is that not really an issue for drifting?
1: We're not usually, for me personally, other teams might do it differently but uh, I try to rely on my own feeling, Uh, just try to drive the car, know that it's the same every time I get behind the wheel so we really keep that side of it very simple.
0: Now you mentioned the Hypertune plenum there, can you also tell us what injectors you've got fitted there?
1: Yeah, we're running injector dynamics, 1,750 cc injectors. Which brings us to the next question, what fuel are you actually running the engine on? Yeah, Ignite Red 114, so ethanol-based, really, really good stuff. So it's that's a, a professional competition-based ethanol blended fuel? Yeah, blended fuel. Uh, most of the people in Formula Drift are using it, and it's starting to become very popular in Europe too. It's very good because you'd see with a lot of ethanol that you can have issues with injectors and filters and fuel pumps, but this is really clean and uh, we had have hadn't had an issue And
0: I think the other aspect there as well is with a lot of uh, people who rely on uh, pump E85 is uh, that the ethanol content, they, they don't really realise but the ethanol content varies so uh, that also varies the amount of fuel you require and can end up with reliability problems, particularly on an engine that's near the limit. Right, so I think at this stage we've covered the, the engine combination pretty well but uh, getting a reliable drivetrain is just as important as making power in the first place
1: What's the gearbox backing the engine? Yeah, so we're running uh, advanced clutch uh, technology, clutch and flywheel, triple plate, uh, Samson's five speed sequential gearbox, um, drive shaft shop, uh, prop shaft, uh, winter's quick change differential, which is just the norm now in drifting, and drive shaft shaft axles. And with the
0: uh, Samsona sequential gearbox, uh, with a, a dog engagement sequential gearbox obviously there's no need necessarily to use the clutch to change gears. Uh, are you using any flat shift mechanism there or is that not really a requirement for your use? Uh,
1: I think the flat shift works better with like an electronic throttle body. We're still running the um, manual cable one and I, I just like to keep it as reliable and simple as possible. And another issue you would often see with drifting and flat shift is because if you're getting wheels spin in a straight line, sometimes you have issues with the flat shift.
0: Moving on to the electronics package, controlling it, obviously that's the key to making the whole uh, engine reliable and getting all of the performance out of it. Uh, What is the electronics package fitted to the car?
1: So we're using ECU Master from front to rear, uh, running two PDMs, PMUs, one for the rear, one for the front, Um, their dash ADU. So for those who aren't familiar with that term, can you tell us what is the PMU? Uh, power management unit, it's really tidy. You get rid of all the switches and relays in the chassis. Uh, reduce a lot of the amount of wires that you need to run through it and it's just simple. You can, what's great about this is you can uh, see what everything is drawing in terms of amps and you can often catch something if something is drawing more amps than usual, you can catch it before it might fail. So it's it's very good for logging and tracking, and uh, it's just tidy. I think the other aspect that's often overlooked as well is with a
0: conventional fuse and relay setup, if you have a problem and a fuse pops, that's it, you've got to stop, you've got to physically remove and replace the fuse or reset a circuit breaker whereas with the uh, power distribution modules like this, solid state switch electronics, uh, you can actually program them to retry certain cir- circuits so particularly for motorsport where reliability is so key, it gives you a potential chance to get to the finish line uh, where otherwise you may not. Look James, it's been uh, Really great to get some insight into the car, obviously with your fairly well known history in drifting, we're likely to see your name
1: uh, on the top of the podium in the future so we wish you all the best. Thank you very much, same to you guys, Uh, myself, my brother and family and friends are big fans of uh, High Performance Academy, very interesting stuff and I think you're doing great great things for the motorsport world. Thank you very much. Thank you guys.
0: If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.